morning. All right, you're here. You're ready, right? God is working. It's Spring Forward Sunday, and we're moving forward with the Lord. How's that? There you go. Uh, we are excited you're here and uh, just believe that God is moving in our midst. And whether you're online or in person, I believe that uh, God has something that he wants to say through his word today to each of us. And as we get into that, you know, it's just so important to have clarity about who we are and where we're headed. And as a church, it was about a year ago that we began sharing some of our vision. And I just want to remind you, like, who God has called us to be. You know, a lot of prayer and fasting and discernment from, you know, myself, our staff, and our board has gone into this. And so this wasn't something that we took lightly. This is something that we believe, like, if we understand who we are as the people of God and where he's leading us, it's going to make all the difference. And so, again, where our vision is to be the church, restoring, raising up, and reaching out. Can you say that with me? Restoring, raising up, and reaching out. Restoring is this idea, again, of being a hospital, a place where all of us can come into the presence of God and receive the care, the healing, the wholeness that he offers us and he restores us. And then it's also a home, right? It's, it's a place where God raises up a family of believers, brothers and sisters, that may or may not have known each other or associated with each other prior, but because of Jesus and, and what he's done at the foot of the cross, we now have a new family, we have a new home, and that is the place where he raises us up. Amen? And then from there, he fills us up and says, okay, I've got a purpose, I've got a mission, I want you to reach out to the world around you. So we talk about not being a cruise ship, but an aircraft carrier, a place where we're sent out to make a difference in the world. Today is, uh, for me, one of those days that, believe it or not, I look forward to because I love to celebrate what God has done in a given year. Uh, we have our family meeting tonight, and so if you are, have been attending and made this your church for six months or more, you are invited, you are part of the family, welcome, and we would love to see you at four o'clock today as we dig in and celebrate with a little bit of worship, a little bit of inspiration, uh, but also our annual report the celebration of all that God has done in the last year. And then with that, we're also going to talk and, and have space to, to talk about what's happening in our family as one of our arms, our, our mission partner that, that has been raised up within the church over the last 25 years, uh, moves on into another season uh, as Master's Academy uh, makes that move. We want to have space today to pray together, to talk about it. And, and this morning, we're looking at this idea of we are bridge builders, okay? Can you say that with me? We are bridge builders. All right, let me try it again. We are bridge builders. And when you think about that relationship that we have with Masters Academy, both of us are saying, hey, we're still gonna be connected. We are bridge builders. We're just gonna create bigger bridges. That, that God is saying it's time for bigger bridges because he wants to reach more people. Y'all tracking with me? And this is the heart of God in every generation is that we would be a people that understand that God wants to build bridges between himself and us and us and others. Uh, Jeremiah 29 has been our primary text through this series, Seeking Shalom Together. And I want to take us there again and look at it through another angle this morning. We'll also be in another uh, text later in the message. But right now, let's start in verse 5 of Jeremiah 29. And I want to remind you that this is given to a people. There's two dominant stories in the Old Testament. One is the exodus, and the other is the exile. 
this is actually the exile story. This is one where there's all kinds of connectivity for 70 years around what God was doing with these people during this exile. And and so as this unfolds, he's giving them instructions on how to live in a season where it's maybe not exactly what they had, had chosen. And many of us, if we're honest, we feel like exiles in this modern day 2023. Like we realize that we live in a world that isn't following Jesus and, and we are within a country that often is confused about what does it mean to, to live under, you know, in God we trust. Anybody with me? Okay. So there's this element that, that we are also exiles that are waiting on Jesus' return and need to understand how do we live, how do we love, how do we be the people God has called us to be. So verse 5 says, Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare, that's the word shalom, of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. For this says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets or your diviners who are among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I, say I, this is so key. It's all about God, his plans, his will, and what he wants in every generation. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Isn't that good news? Like he's got a plan for your life and my life. He's got a plan to give us a hope and a future, despite what we see around us at times. He says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. As we look at this, there's this reality of a God who has such great depth to who he is, that he says, no matter what you're facing, what you're going through, I'm there and I'm available to build a bridge to you and also want you to be a certain kind of people in the generation that you live in. And it's interesting when you think about this, because it means that that just coming into a Sunday service is meant to be a starting point. It's like an on-ramp into the life of God and what he has for us. There's a pastor and author, Erwin McManus, that says this. Uh, He says, God has both density and velocity. He is the great mover. Jesus described his spirit as coming and going from directions and to places that no one knows. The church erupted from a rushing wind. It should not be of any surprise to us that Jesus is the greatest revolutionary who ever lived or that the church is the greatest movement that has ever existed on the face of the earth. When you move with Christ, you are never alone. Isn't that good news? I I mean, I can remember reading that quote 20 years ago, literally 20 years ago this summer. 
trying to weigh out, God, what are you wanting my life to be a part of? I, I love you. Do you want me to be a part of business, education, the church? You know, Lord, what do you want? And God really helping me to see through this quote and through a study of scriptures and other things that the greatest movement in all of human history is the move of Jesus Christ in and through his people in the church. And I'm not sure we believe it right now. Are you that tired today? Slow down, pastor. It is something worth giving our life to. And it's exciting to be a part of, to think about that in every generation, Christ is leading his church in moving in ways that have both depth and velocity, as McManus said. The depth to say, I see you and I'll work through all of it and I'll bring healing and hope. I'll use your life in ways that you didn't even know possible. And then the velocity of God, let's be clear on this, uh, that, that it's actually not just speed and acceleration, that, that yes, there's a rushing wind that can happen when the Spirit moves and God accelerates things. But there's actually a, a Japanese theologian that that's, wrote a book years ago that is the three mile per hour God. That, that actually God moves at three miles per hour more often. That's the speed of a walk if you didn't know that. The average walk is three miles per hour. That there's this velocity to God that says, okay, slow down right now and walk with me. And then there's moments where he moves and he says, speed up, because I'm, I've got something more and something I need to do right now in this moment. You see, these were a people that received this from him, and we're going to have to wait 70 years. But during that 70 years of waiting, they were becoming bridge builders. They were learning in that season how to live. And I want to give you four things in that text that I've shared with uh, our school and church leadership over the last month that really have come alive for me. Uh, I shared this through some devotionals and and different things. And uh, there's four aspects of what it means for us. The first is to live faithfully. The second is to seek that we're a people seeking shalom. The third is that we're actually turning up the truth. And the fourth is that we're growing in intimacy. I want to leave those up there for just a minute. I want you to think about, like, as God moves in this season in your life, how are you going to live that way? How am I going to live that way? How are we going to be a people that can look and say, we're living faithfully, we're following and being the people that God wants us to be? Secondly, that we would be seeking shalom. That's God's peace and his wholeness. That that means that we're not agents of division, but we're agents of, of peace. Not peacekeepers, but peacemakers. Bringing the peace into a situation by saying, hey, here's the things that need to to be looked at. Let's bring God's truth to it. Let's bring his peace. Let's trust that he can touch this and bring wholeness. Amen? And then thirdly is this idea of turning up truth. You know, they were going to be in a period of time where they were going to face a lot of of lies and, and cultural captivity. You can imagine 
I, I mean, do, do you realize that, that actually during that 70 years, some of the greatest stories in the Old Testament emerged? That it was actually during that period that as they were living faithfully, seeking up shalom and turning up the truth, that, that there was a guy named Ezekiel that actually as a prophet had a vision of God, even though culture was going the opposite direction. He had this incredible vision from God. Because he was living faithfully, he was seeking shalom, he was turning up the truth, and he pointed people to who God was and what the throne room looked like and what the presence and power of God was meant to be. Do do you know that during that 70 years, there was also a man named Daniel, a young man, and, and Daniel had three friends that were renamed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then it was actually during this same time period that, that Daniel and his, his three amigos, his buddies, right, that they actually faced death, that they were tossed into a fiery furnace, and Daniel later into the lion's den. You remember these stories? That, that it was in those spaces that God was turning up truth in their lives and that they were saying, no matter what we face, we will live faithfully. God told us to. We will seek shalom. God told us to. We will turn up the truth in the face of lies. God told us to. And they were growing in intimacy with the Lord. And we talk about them today because they trusted God and God did something through them. There was also, towards the end of the 70 years, two people, Ezra and Nehemiah. Ezra being the spiritual leader, the priest. Nehemiah being the spiritual leader as well, but he was a builder, he was a developer, he was the king's cupbearer. And it was actually the two of them, contemporaries of each other, that God used as bridge builders. You see, Nehemiah went to the king and said, hey, it's time for us to go back to Jerusalem after the 70 years. And it's time for us to rebuild walls. It's, it's time for us to move. And God moved in and through Nehemiah because he was somebody who had lived as a bridge builder. He had lived faithfully. He had sought the shalom. He turned up the truth in the face of lies. In fact, when he began to have his heart burdened, he prayed and he fasted and he grew in his intimacy with the Lord and the Lord gave him a vision to go And to ask the king for help, he built a bridge. And when they moved back to Jerusalem, do you know that that king of that empire that had held them in exile actually wrote the check and financed the move? Come on, y'all. Like, I, I promise you, I will not bore you today, okay? It is incredible what God can do when we follow him and live this way. And then you had Ezra, who, as the priest, as they arrive, he he delivered God's word, and and as he delivered it, revival broke out. The people awakened, they repented, they came back to the Lord. God moved in mighty ways. They were living as bridge builders in a time that it wasn't easy to do. And I just believe that, that God wants to do that with us as well. When you think about turning up the truth, though, isn't it interesting how in every generation we have a choice how we respond? And and that often it isn't the message or the messenger. It's whether or not we're rejecting God and what God is doing and what his will is. Uh, Listen to Luke 7, verse 29 through 35. This is Jesus. He says, when all the people heard this, this is the message from Jesus, and the tax collectors, too, they declared God just, Have you been baptized with the baptism of John? 
But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God. Say rejected. They rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. To what then shall I compare the people of this generation and what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating, no bread and drinking no wine, and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by all of her children. I'm reading this this week, and I'm like, man, Lord, like, why do we always reject you? Why do we reject what you want to do? And, and we'll make it about something else, right? They're saying a, a, the flute and the dance, or the dirge, which is like a funeral song. They're, they're saying, hey, I played upbeat music, and you didn't respond. I played low beat music. <laughs> is that a thing? And I didn't respond. You, you had John coming, who, who was different, to say the least, and you didn't listen to him. And then you had Jesus coming, and he was different than John, and you didn't listen to him. The bottom line is you were rejecting God's plan and purpose and what he wanted to do. And I found myself going, Lord, help us to turn up the truth. Help us to, to be honest with ourselves and open to what you want to do. Help us to not reject you, but to receive all that you want to do. Because our God is a bridge builder. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 5. And uh, this is where we'll spend the rest of our time. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul, who God had built a bridge to him. We've talked about him off and on over the last few weeks. Jesus reached him in a unique way. He had a conversion. He moved from Saul to Paul. And as his ministry in bridge building unfolded, he began to call others to live in the same kind of ways. Picking up in verse 12, it says this. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. If you're taking notes here, we're going to be lo looking at five ways that we become bridge builders out of this text. The first is right here. We live for an audience of one. You see, what, what Paul is saying is, listen, if it looks like we're out of our mind, if it looks like we're in our right mind, at the end of the day, it's because we have been captured by Christ and our lives are now his. Our boast is not in our abilities, in our strengths. It's only in him. To be a bridge builder means that we are not worried about the approval of man, the approval of other people, we're only worried about that audience of one. And this is important for the body of Christ, both at Pathway, but across the country and the globe to hear right now. Because we have to get back to who we are as the people of God. To be a bridge builder means that we recognize what he's done for us and that we don't worry about what other people think or say or do. I mean, do you know how many people right now are derailed from being who God has called them to be just simply by the concern of how other people react, respond. Like, y'all don't like cancel culture, right? Ooh, that got, that got some attention. 
I, I mean, let's be honest. Like, we know that that's a thing, and yet has it canceled our ability without us even realizing it, to be bold with God's love. To be a people that, that will say and do and be full of grace and full of truth like Jesus was in John 1.14. Filled with his spirit, led by his love. That will be a bridge builder that really only cares first about what we're doing for him. You see, some of us, our boast has become about us. Our boast has become about how righteous we are, about how good we are, about how far we've made it, about how great our church is or isn't. Our boast is about things that have nothing to do with actually the heart of God. See, the Lord's looking for a humble people that say, I'm not, you are, let's go. I don't know, but you know. I'm weak, but you're strong. God, move and allow me to get past approval of others to just faithfully follow you. This should be infiltrating every aspect of our life. It should be showing up in our HOA meetings. It should be showing up, yeah, woo, <laughs> you are here today. It should be showing up in the boardroom it should be showing up at the water cooler. It should be showing up at the community swimming pool, in the neighborhood, at the dinner table, where we're so oriented around him and his love. We're just living for him, not worried about other people's approval. Second thing bridge builders do, they live under the control of Christ's gospel love. Let me read to you verse 14 and 15. It says, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might not lo no longer live for themselves, but for them or for him who for their sake died and was raised. Those two verses are the gospel. They're the good news of Jesus Christ and this love that shows up in his life, in his death on the cross, and in his resurrection. You, you see, we're a people that are proclaiming that Christ's love now controls us, not our flesh, not other people's approval. He's saying that he's so controlled by Christ's love. And, and what would Paul say in Galatians 2? And, and did Jesus say in Matthew 16? He said that we're to deny ourselves, to be crucified. You see, one of our problems is we're not bridge builders because we're control freaks. Can I say it again? We're not bridge builders because we're often control freaks. And when we begin to understand that it's Christ's love that's meant to control us, there's a freedom to live fully his. There's a freedom to experience the abundant life and what he has for us that you will not experience otherwise. And Paul's saying, listen, the gospel is Jesus came, he died, he rose again. The cross and the resurrection is our victory. 
And when we begin to walk in that forgiveness and we begin to walk in his love and let it control us, it changes our life and the lives of those around us. We become bridge builders that can't help but proclaim this great love. That love that controls us is something that people in and outside of the church historically have taken note of. It was actually Napoleon Bonaparte, ironically, that said this. He's quoted as saying this. Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and myself founded empires. But what foundation did we rest the creations of our genius upon force? Jesus Christ founded an empire upon love. And at this hour, he said, millions of men would die for him. If a general could notice the difference, are we in the church able to notice, to receive, and to respond to the difference? The third thing that love and and this idea of Christ and what he is and how we become a bridge builder, the third one is we live in love as a new creation in Christ. Verse 16 and 17 says this. It says, from now on, Therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. That's convicting. I I mean, when's the last time that you regarded somebody who cut you off on the road in the flesh? Somebody who posted a comment politically that you didn't agree with. Somebody who looked at you sideways in the church only because they had something in your eye, but you took it wrong. Right? I mean, we do this so often, don't we? And, And here's... Paul's saying, listen, as a bridge builder, you're now controlled by Christ's love. That's what the therefore. That's why it's there. Is because of what Christ has done, he says, we now no longer regard anyone according to the flesh. Even though once we regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And that is really good news. Because I've done some things I'm not proud of. I'm guessing maybe you have. There's an old life that has passed away that the Lord says you're a new creation in me. So the third way that bridge builders function, we live and love as a new creation in Christ. That we begin to to be controlled by his love. We begin to put on new lenses to see the world through his eyes to actually not regard people according to the flesh, but to see them, especially if they're a brother and sister in Christ, through new eyes. And, and, you know, this changes a lot of things, right? I mean, this changes how we interact with each other in the church. It changes how we interact with people out in the world. It means that there's a love that's leading the way, not our flesh, a spirit that's leading the way, not our flesh. Can I say flesh one more time? Because I feel like it, like, that's the thing, isn't it? Like, we just, like, we need to nail gun, like, nail gun ourselves to the cross sometimes. There's a metaphor for you. Where you just are like, Jesus, I'm yours. 
I don't want to live this way. I want to live in love as a new creation. One of the beauties of that passage is the celebration, actually, that we are a new creation. And in the, in the church, historically, that's celebrated through baptism. And uh, next month, we're going to have a baptism Sunday. And we would love to just have you pray about that and consider it. If you were baptized as a child or an infant and you really didn't know what the decision was about, this is your moment because we believe that as confessing believers, all of us, just as Jesus at age 30 was baptized, that all of us should be baptized and to celebrate that we're a new creation in Christ. That as we go under the water, we say, my old life is done, it's gone, just like Christ was buried Now as I come up out of the water, I'm resurrected like Christ was resurrected, and I'm a new creation. And when you do that in the family of God, that is a great celebration, church. So think about this. Sign up today. There's more information we'll provide for you. We would love to have you a part of that and to celebrate that with you. Now verse 18 and 19 says this. It says, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Say reconciliation. Did you notice who he gave it to? He didn't give it to me. He didn't give it to just you. He gave it to us. I I can remember about 10 years ago talking to a a friend of mine who was leading a, a large, large national ministry. And they actually made the comment to me privately over the phone, I just don't know if I'm called to the ministry of reconciliation. And I had to sit there and go, I get it. Most people view it as, as a horizontal thing only, that, that some of us are called to, to help reconcile and build bridges between people. And, and so I said, hey, um, I know what you're thinking. Can I show you something? And we were on the phone, like pre-Zoom, so I couldn't actually show him. But I said, hey, here, here's what 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19 says. And they said, oh, wow, we're all called to that, aren't we? I mean, we are. We're all called to a ministry of reconciliation. It says to us, the ministry of reconciliation, verse 19, that is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. That's given to all of us. If you're taking notes, a bridge builder, we live reconciled to Christ and as a reconciler. That we live reconciled to Christ and as a reconciler in the world around us. Two thousand seven. God began to lead our family to plant a church in southwest Michigan. That church was called to be a church for all people. And it was actually in an area that historically was resistant to the idea of bridges being built. In fact, the bridges, when we arrived in that community in that day and age, often were privately said to divide people, that we don't cross We don't connect. And we didn't set out to do anything but what this text said. We we believed 
and still believe today what you're hearing is the truth of the gospel that all of us are called to be bridge builders. That the call is to reconcile to Jesus and that because I've reconciled to Jesus, I stand at the foot of the cross and I look around and I realize that I'm a sinner in need of a savior and that I've got other brothers and sisters around me that are sinners in need of a savior, that the foot of the cross is the most level ground. Come on, church. And that it's in that space where that's the focus that bridges really begin to be built. That suddenly what happens is we didn't set out to meet some kind of diversity quota. Ooh, there's a word we don't like right now. We didn't set out to be anything other than what the gospel and the scriptures taught. And because we did that, everything else would fall into place. You see, what we can't let happen right now is the climate and politicalization, politicalization of our brothers and sisters in Christ to somehow divide us. The church is meant to unite. The church is meant to be a beacon of hope, a place filled with his light and love in every generation where people see that all people are welcome, loved, and bridges will be built at the foot of the cross. That is what the church is meant to be. And that's Paul's message. That's our message. That's what it means for us to say, okay, are you saying I'm supposed to be reconciled to people that don't look like me, that have different bank accounts than me, that they have a different upbringing than me, and I'm saying, yes, in Christ Jesus, we are to be reconciled and to be reconcilers. And as we live that way, and as we love like that, he begins to show you that, yeah, we have some differences, but there's now something that unites us that nobody else can find in the world except through Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. That we now have a commonality that you will not find in a workshop, in a class. You're only going to find it at the foot of the cross. So church, it's exciting to think about what that looks like for us. Because I bring up 2007 to tell you that God did it. I had people looking at me and saying, this will never work. That this community will chew you up and spit you out in two years. I had people saying some of the most negative, uh, hurtful kind of things. And all I knew is Christ's love was controlling and compelling me. And that with a great wife by my side, come on, Cindy Bennett. That God was going to lead us and that we were going to be bridge builders. And I'm telling you, I am here to say that God did it. He's still doing it in Southwest Michigan. And I believe he's beginning to do it here. Amen. The last bit that I want to share with you with being bridge builders comes out of the last two verses, 20 and 21. It says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The last fill in the blank here, we live as Christ's ambassador and accept 
his assignment. You see, in every generation, God begins to stir hearts. He begins to move on people. He begins to say, listen, you're going to be a bridge builder. You're going to call people to know Jesus and to make him known, to love God and to love people, to love God and love your neighbor. And as you do that, you're operating not as somebody who, you know, just shows up. You're going to operate as my ambassador. You and I, as Christ followers, are his ambassadors. And that's a game changer to begin to walk in that and receive it. I've uh, had the opportunity over the years to travel internationally uh, to a number of different places that would be described as hot spots. In a couple of them, I had people uh, that didn't look like me say, hey, we're so glad you're here because you as an American are probably going to be the target if anything goes down. It's like, okay, <laughs> woo, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Mom, Dad, Cindy, pray. Uh, but, but it's the truth, right? Here I am in another place carrying who I am as an American. And, and when I, t- I have been in, you know, Beirut, San Pedro Sula, Jakarta, Cambodia, uh, Nairobi. I've been in a number of different places. Like I said, different hot spots. And in these different places, I was not an ambassador for America. I was an ambassador for Jesus Christ. And I never had issues. I never had problems by God's grace because I wasn't representing my country in that moment. I was representing my king. And there's a difference when we realize that as ambassadors, we walk with an authority and an assignment that we need to walk in as the people of God, to be his bridge builders, to show up with his love and to be his ambassadors. And there's something that God wants to do in and through your life as a bridge builder. So you think through all of this today, it may be that God needs to, to build a bigger bridge in your heart and in your life. It's actually uh, a man, Louis Zamperni. I'll show you a picture here. Uh, Louis has three movies over the last decade that have been put out about his life. Louis was uh, a 1936 Olympian, born in California, competed in the Olympics, joined the military. His plane was shot down, I believe, in 1943. And as it was shot down, uh, he and a number of others were were held uh, in the ocean floating for 47 days. Amazingly, he survived it. Not all of them did. In the movie Unbroken, they, they share much of that story. He, he actually, is, as he survived that, then found himself captive by Japanese soldiers in a POW camp for about two years. Now, because he was an Olympian and well-known, they treated him even more harshly. He was tortured, he was uh, beaten within an inch of his life multiple times, just humiliated, treated terribly. Eventually, as the war ended, he was brought back and somehow had survived, but the trauma, the brokenness, the things he had been through also had survived. And so he began having nightmares, and in one account, he married with children, uh, woke up in the middle of his nightmare, choking his wife Because in the nightmare, as he was acting it out, he saw the prisoner 
or I saw the soldier that had held him and beat him. Eventually what happened in Lewis's life that's probably the most important part of the story isn't his grit, isn't his resiliency, isn't the fact that he had survived all of those things. It's that when those things began to surface in his life, he actually found himself willing to go to a Billy Graham crusade. And it was at a Billy Graham crusade that he first heard the gospel and the forgiveness that God offers, that Jesus pours out on us. And God built a bridge to Lewis that then began to extend through him to others. Here's a picture of Lewis later in life with Billy Graham, the late Billy Graham. Amazingly, Lewis actually became such a different person that he went from hating and thinking of how he could get revenge and, and hurt his captors to actually going back to those POW camps and offering forgiveness to the very soldiers, one of them in particular nicknamed the bird. He offered forgiveness and built a bridge because God had built a bridge to him. Church, I don't know where you're at today, but Jesus sees you, he loves you, he has a forgiveness that he wants to pour out on you a mercy, a grace that then is meant to compel and flow through us to others. He's ready to build some new bridges in 2023. Two questions to close that I want to ask you. One, have you been reconciled to Christ? If you've not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, whether you're online or in person, that's your starting point today. It's to say, I need Jesus. I need his forgiveness, I need his love, I need his mercy, I need his resurrection power to overcome what I can't overcome on my own. That's the gospel. Maybe for you, you've been away from Jesus and he's calling you back to be reconciled, to be made right with him, to recommit your life to Jesus. You can do that today as well. And then secondly, are you living as a bridge builder? Because God's hand is on our church. It's on his church globally right now. He never leaves. He never forsakes. In every generation, his heart is to build bridges to himself and to others. My prayer and my hope is that we will live as bridge builders. Amen. Father, we love you and praise you. As we think about responding today, God, we're going to create space for you to move, for you to work, for you to lead us into action, to live and to love and to be bridge builders. Father, forgive us for often walking in the flesh, for not walking in the spirit, for not sharing your love freely. Forgive us for worrying about what people think. God, I pray that we would live faithfully, that we would seek shalom, that we would turn up the truth, that we would grow in intimacy in this season to be the bridge builders you've called us to be. God, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So if you'll notice, there's no band behind me right now. If you're used to coming to services here, you would see a band, and they'd be playing, and it would sound amazing, and we'd all go, woohoo.
That's the second woohoo in the same message. <clears throat> Things I'll think about next service to do differently, right? Um, here's how we're going to finish today. Uh, it was about 10 days ago that Pastor Nate actually had something on his heart, and it resonated with our team, and it resonated with me, and I felt like, yes, that's what we need to do uh, on this Sunday. So we're going to finish with prayer. Uh, we're going to talk for a minute. Just I want to remind you, we have this event coming up called the Egg Drop, and uh, it's an incredible event to build bridges, to build bridges to people to know Jesus and to meet new potential brothers and sisters. Amen? And so uh, you can get information online, you can register, you can also donate, you can volunteer. All of that info is there for you. We have uh, invites available today too, because we're asking you to get some invites, to pray over them, and then to go build bridges. Don't think it's an age thing. Parents, grandparents, neighbors, who knows how God will use this, amen? And so how we're going to finish with prayer, if you put up that last slide, is uh, if you need prayer and, and you want to stay in this room and you want to just be prayed for, or you want to, maybe you're, you're saying, I need Jesus and, and I need somebody to pray with, uh, we're going to turn on some background music and just, this is space for that. But for the rest of us, we're going to go and be the church today. I say it every week, right? Well, I want to go with you. Will you let me come with you today? Will you come with me? I'm going to literally right now, I'm going to grab my water. I'm going to go out to the egg drop field. Here, in fact, let's try this. Stand with me. Grab all your stuff. You're like, wow, this is so weird. Right? What did Paul say? If I'm in my sound mind, it's for you. And if I seem out of my mind, it's for you. Right? So here's what we want to do. We want to, all of us right now, I'm going to walk out. We're going to go out to the field. And we're going to take five or ten minutes to just pray together, individually and in groups, for the egg drop and for bridge building. Amen? Amen. All right. I'll see you out there. Let's head out.